Hi, this is Alan Olson, and welcome to American Dreams. I'm here today with Bob Brigmier. Bob, welcome to today's show. Thank you. Well, nice to be here. So I recently met Bob at lunch. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I moved back to the Midwest, and uh, one of my first introductions was the founder of Blue Valley Bank. Uh, so there's a story here, Bob, that I invited you on to the, the, the show today, and I'd like to, for the guests here, uh, you know, to hear your story of how did you get to where you are today, and why don't we start maybe back through education. Did you grow up in this area? I did. I grew up uh, in uh, uh, the whole time in uh, suburban Johnson County in Kansas City and uh, went to the through the Shawnee Mission School District, uh, uh, went to K-State, Kansas State University in Manhattan, came back to Kansas City and uh, and actually went and got my master's at UMKC as well. But, uh, you know, I kind of came back and I was looking for (laughs) there is a humorous side to this story. I, my dad was a successful businessman and and in the real estate business, and uh, I, I I did a couple interviews when I was at K State, but I and I was going to go work for the family business, so I wasn't really didn't didn't put my heart into it, and so I got back to Kansas City, and literally the next day, my dad said, uh, you know, he was kind of one of those greatest generation types that said, hey, you, you know, as long as you're living in my house, you're not going to keep sleeping, so get up and let's go to work, and so I went to work and. So I started working for him and, you know, my dad was in the middle of building a building at that point in time. And uh, he said, uh, you know, get into the uh, the ditch and start to clean it out a little bit because we got a poor footing a little bit later. And so I did that and kind of muddy and then rained a little bit. And, you know, I mean, it was just kind of kind of nasty. And I did that that day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And and finally, I, you know, I was, I told my dad, I said, you know, dad, I, I, I went to college, you know, so I wouldn't have to dig ditches. And he said, you know, Bob, you got to start there. And, and, and frankly, you're not doing a very good job of digging ditches. So, uh, uh, and I said, well, you know, I, I may want to do something else. Cause I, I don't know that I want to spend the next year working my way up to a job. And he said, fine, you could go ahead and work for whoever you want to work for. But as long as you're living in my house. And I was at that point in time. He says, you're going to go to work every day. So I'd get up early because uh, my dad went to work early and uh, I would go out to a coffee shop for 30 minutes. till I knew he was gone. Then I'd come back and go back to bed or, or get up. And I finally found a job working for uh, as, a, as a welder. And then I eventually uh, got a job working for a bank uh, for the, the Baltimore Bank. And uh, so that that was my early career. I worked for Baltimore for uh, uh, about 20 years. At that point in time, it went through two or three mergers, and and I became uh, the uh, I was in, in, in my last job with them. I was the EVP of Boatman's First National Bank, which is about a two billion dollar bank, and they were going through another merger with another bank. And what they said to me was, uh, "Hey, I, I want you to to uh, uh, do administrative jobs. I don't want you to be do banking jobs and make loans and work with customers because I, I handled all their real estate and I did a lot of administrative duties for the bank. And um, I said, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to stay in banking. And so they, get, they said, you know, we will give you the opportunity to, to go do your own thing if you'd like. And so they bought me out at Five Floor Charter and Bank of Blue Valley came shortly thereafter. So that's kind of the, the long story of the, the, how I got into banking and, and uh, 
It was uh, I, I, my first 20 years in banking uh, at the Baltimore, which became Boatman's First National, uh, was really instrumental. Uh, I had a great mentor. Like most of us in life, I was blessed with somebody that really cared and was really, really smart and trusted me enough that he gave me some running room and, and allowed me to do some things that probably, uh, you know, I, I, I maybe shouldn't have been allowed to do at that, that tender age. But it was a great first start and uh, gave me the, the training I needed to start the Bank of Blue Valley. So the, the, the time frame, we're about 1989 at the founding of Blue Valley Bank? That is correct. So, uh, so it, it was a, I'm just you know, curious, what, what was Blue Valley like at that time? That was some 30-something years you, ago. You know where the, the main bank is there at 119th and Metcalf. And uh, it's on a very, very, that's, that is one of the, uh, the busiest intersections in the entire state of Kansas. When I built the bank, there was nothing on that corner. Um, there was uh, the, all the buildings that are on all, there's actually five corners to that intersection and all five corners were completely empty. Um, there was a quick trip uh, right next door to the bank uh, that was built uh, and it, it, it was under construction when I, uh, I started the bank and I actually bought a piece of real estate and I put a double wide mobile home on it. So that was my first home for the first four years before I built the uh, the main building, but you know uh, it, it, when you think about it, uh, 119th and Metcalf was, uh, it, which is an incredibly vibrant intersection now, was nothing back then in 1989. You know, it's it's interesting if if we go back to the nothing was really developed yet. Uh, Blue Valley today is known for the school districts, um, and uh, what what is the uh, you know, what's the history there, Bob? Were you involved at all with the development of the the, the Blue Valley School District? or I wasn't involved uh, in the development of it because it, it had gotten started, but it was it was it was kind of at that point in time, it was just kind of emerging from being almost a rural school district. It was very small. and uh, I remember having a, an issue. It was growing so fast. that area was developing and it was growing so fast that they couldn't build schools fast enough. And I got into a, like most of us do, we are advocates for our children. And, uh, and uh, you, you don't, uh, somebody told me a long time ago, you don't have perspective when it comes to your kids. Uh, you know, you, it's, it's one thing that you, you're always looking out for the best. But I got into an issue because they were busing my child to a, a, a school that was a long way away because they didn't have room in the school that, was, that he was supposed to go to. And I went to the school district and I complained vigorously. Uh, and I said, you know, you guys, I said, a third grader could do a better job of managing than I than you have. And I was really pretty indignant at that point in time. But he was, I remember he was very calm and said, you know, Bob, you're a smart guy. You're well-respected. He said, you know, you need to, to, to get engaged with the school district so that you can provide some of your expertise. And I said, well, maybe I will. And so through a series of events, I got appointed to a committee that was involved with, uh, you know, uh, actually how, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the growth was, was managed. And I got to see firsthand how difficult those decisions were for a fast-growing district. And then subsequent to that, uh, I was asked by a group of people to uh, run for the school board. And I ran for the school board and won and was uh, on the school board from 92 to, two, to 2000. 
Uh, I, I was president for a couple of years. I was actually, interesting little, this is a kind of a quirk, interesting quirk. I was in a, I was president of the only, and there's 300 school districts in Kansas, the only school district in the state of Kansas that had seven women and one man. So, and I was the, I was the, the president at that point in time. It was a great school district, really engaged. I mean, the, the school district is really good and it has a great foundation, but the people I worked for, worked with, uh, uh, were really great. Uh, you know, these are all people that were passionate about education and, uh, they, uh, I, we, we got into a lot of engaged conversations and I really feel like that, that eight years that I did, uh, at that point in time were very helpful to me, but it's also probably some of the most rewarding public service work that I've ever done in my life. So it's, it was good. Well, Johnson County takes great pride in the school district that, uh, that that's been developed and, and sounds like you were there from day one helping lay a foundation and, and a pattern. Um, I just curious, when you look back, is there something that you attribute, would attribute to the success of the Blue Valley School District and the reputation it has today? Well, I, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. First of all, we had some really good initial leadership. Okay. We, had, we had good boards. There were, uh, there wasn't a lot of, uh, th- there was uh, a lot of vigorous discussion but, you know, what we see today is more of a left-right sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, that kind of confuses some of the, the, the educational philosophy. We really didn't have it back then. I mean, we had arguments about a lot of things. Frankly, we argued about books. We argued about curriculum. We argued about reporting to the parents. And we argued about boundaries and, 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 and how to help the, the district grow. But we we had a couple really good leaders in that early days. And frankly, the board understood that our job was to communicate with patrons, but it was also to hire the superintendent and leave the superintendent alone. And I think that's that's, you know, some school districts run into problems when they don't understand that process, because frankly, we had some bright people, good business people, a lot of of of, uh, of individuals that were you know stayed at home and and were and this was frankly this was their job and they spent forty hours a week working on it but you know it it, it they, everybody has to understand that education is a is a very it's a complicated process and it and it has to be done right and it has to you have to lay a really good foundation and I think to do that uh, you you need to you have a lot of frank conversation with your superintendent. But after you've had those conversations, you've got to step back and let him do his job. And if he doesn't do his job, you need to uh, to change and, and 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 bring in a new superintendent. But frankly, we had two or three uh, superintendents in a row that were just spectacular. So, you know, there's a saying: you teach them correct principles, and then you let them govern themselves. And right, right. and it 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 was by no accident. I can see that uh, the Blue Valley turned out to what it is today many many of school districts were growing in the same time period but but this one stands out so thank you to you and leadership uh in in past for what it is today i want to move back to the bank though i gotta i i have a few questions here so uh you know 1989 uh you know there were ups and downs in the whole banking industry and and starting out at that time, I'm sure there was a little bit of trepidation in terms of venturing out to do your own bank, especially in a double-wide trailer. Right. Uh, what was it like getting your first deposit? 
Oh, I, you know, I, I actually, the, 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 I remember my first customer, uh, which was really funny because it was a snowy day. I mean, it was cold. I mean, it had snowed. I was in this mobile home, you know, that, you know, double wide mobile home. And, and, and like I said, there was nothing on that intersection. So I look out the window and there was just, you know, there's, there was the 119th street was there and Medcalf was there, but that was it. And I mean, cars would go by and we had the, the, the street that leads into the bank at that point in time only had the quick trip and us on there. And so I would sit there in my office and I was, it, it was, you know, we opened up at seven o'clock and I, and I, uh, uh, you know, I kept looking at cars that turned in and they would all turn into the quick trip and they wouldn't come down to the bank. Finally, a car keeps coming straight and, 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 and makes the turn. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, it's my very first customer at the bank. And uh, uh, so I got out and I recognized who it was and I met him at the front door and uh, it was my attorney and he was there to present his bill for the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the formation of the bank. But anyway, it was that that was the first. But, uh, you know, I had a good board, had a great board, uh, some people that were very engaged in the community. And, and I empowered them to go out and make a lot of referrals to me. I had 20 years in the banking industry. And frankly, most of my shareholders uh, and, and, and this was maybe a little unusual because I didn't have any large shareholders. I, you know, that, that, that point in time, you know, there was enough kind of variety in the, in the markets that, you know, you know starting a bank was kind of, kind of risky. And, and uh, so I had some people that had a hundred and I maybe had one guy that had a, a couple hundred grand in the bank, but most, most, and, and but I raised a little over $2 million, about two, two and a quarter million dollars. But I had, uh, I, you know, I, I met with all of my shareholders and there were about 40 of them, 50 of them. And uh, and I and I said, you've got to help me. You've got to bring me referrals and I will sell the bank. You just got to make the, the, the introduction. And they did a great job. We, we picked up. And frankly, I was fortunate that I was in an area that was growing. That whole intersection started to to really come together. And and uh, um, so it, 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 I, it was good timing. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about the timing. It, it's kind of interesting because I, I think, you know, sometimes some of the most fortuitous things in life happen sort of by accident but if you remember you know the the tax reform act of 86 you know caused a lot of dislocation a lot of you know problems with loans and and those kind of things um and and, and you know frankly by 89 that 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 you know all the problems were still there but they, they weren't getting worse uh so frankly there really just wasn't temptation for us to do anything, you know, highly risky at that point in time. And we were looking for bread and butter deals. And, uh, and it, it was a good time to start a bank because rates were starting to, to, to move back up at that point in time. And uh, uh, we built a nice little base of business and uh, uh, actually broke even our first year and then uh, made money every year after that. So. Well, therein, uh, there, therein is a story in itself. Not everyone breaks even the first year. When when you um when you set out with the business model, was there a certain industry that you focused in on? Well, my dad was a uh, he, my dad was in commercial real estate, but prior to that, he had a thirty year uh, uh, record in the housing and in, in residential construction, and so that was an area that. And in the whole time I was growing up as a kid, you know, I would. You know, I, I would get home from school and, and uh, uh, you know, my dad would pick me up and we'd, I'd go 
clean out houses to get them ready for the carpenters the next day you know, to come back in. And, and so I, I knew a lot of people in that industry and we did uh, a lot of residential construction in that first uh, uh, oh, 10 years or really for the whole life of the bank for that matter, we, we did a lot of residential construction. So there was that, I, you know, I did a lot of uh, lending to the uh, um, heavy construction industry and I had two or three shareholders and customers that were excavators, bridge builders, those kind of things that did heavy construction. So I did some of that. And then frankly, uh, you know, I, you know, anybody that, that, that it, from a commercial perspective that I knew that I could uh, to do business with, we, we engaged. So it was fairly broad based, but you know, the, the, you know, the way the industry works, particularly for smaller banks, uh, there's a lot of real estate lending and uh, you know, that was something I felt like I had some understanding of. Yeah. So, Bob, when you, um, you know, not only were you involved with uh, building a bank, serving on the school board, but there was also other aspects that you were involved with in terms of philanthropy and helping build the community. In fact, I believe there's several colleges that have buildings named after you. And what, what inspired you to get into um, doing that philanthropic endeavor when you already were giving so much into the school district and well, and also to the business community. Interesting. And again, like I said, as a tax guy, you would under you would very much understand this. Again, I, I'd back up for a second. My dad was, uh, you know, he was came from real hard scrabble. Zero. He had zero net worth when he when he got started when he came out of the war and in, in uh, 1951, 52, and and uh, started building houses. So he was he started from from absolutely zero and 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 and. And, and was very successful. He was uh, a hardworking guy that did well, but he uh, he was also a, a, a creature of the recession. I mean, excuse me, of I always talk about the Great Recession of the Depression. And you know, he he was in a family. His dad was a carpenter. His, his mother was a, a nurse, and they literally would. There, there were uh, years when they would have to move two or three times because they couldn't pay the rent. So he, he the the depression made a real impact you know, made a, uh, had a deep impact on him. And he always worried about going broke uh, because of that, you know, that experience. And uh, as a result of that, my dad was really reticent to do any kind of estate plan. And, um, you know, he, he built a very substantial net worth and uh, uh, was very successful in developing first residential and then commercial real estate. And when, uh, you know, he was getting, uh, you know, when he got, he had he, uh, ended up with cancer and uh, we started talking to uh, uh, his accountant and his attorney and we were really in a heck of a mess uh, because he was really at the end of his life and he had done virtually no planning. And uh, so we were faced with a situation and I, mean, I, have a, I have a brother, older brother, younger sister, where, um, you know, we could have inherited what he had, you know, with some fairly limited trust uh, things put in place. But, you know, at the very last minute, it's hard to do anything horribly creative. Um, and, uh, uh, but, you know, we would have paid an enormous amount of money in taxes. I mean, you know, eight figure tax uh, payments. And, uh, um, and so the, the, the one of the attorneys came back and said, look, there's an alternative to this. And, and we, we did several things that, uh, um, you know, created some tax advantages for us. But part of it, a lot of it was giving a, a portion of estate to a charitable foundation. 
And uh, uh, that charitable foundation with a charitable remainder trust and some other things allowed us to kind of keep things together uh, and keep the organization going forward, but you know, sub substantially reduce the, uh, uh, the tax liability. So really when it came down to it, my brother and sister and I sat down and said, look, we can pay this huge tax bill or we can take uh, you know, a, a third of what we were being, what we were inheriting and put it into a charitable trust and reduce that bill by a substantial amount. Uh, and we, we, I, I'm very thankful that we chose the second of those two. And uh, that was the start of the uh, Victor and Helen Rainier Family uh, Foundation. So, well, the community certainly benefited from that. So, yeah. um, Bob, when uh, when when you're looking at where you're at today, you uh, a few years back, you you rolled up the bank into. Uh, much larger institution is that is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, the, the, okay. we ran the bank as an independent bank from 1989 to 19 uh, to 2019, and uh, um, and then sold it to Heartland Financial, which is based out of Dubuque, Iowa, and uh, uh, merged it into that. They had a bank in Kansas City. We merged those two banks together, and we retained the Bank of Blue Valley name because it had a very strong reputation as a commercial bank and as a bank that was, uh, uh, you know, a good connection for small businesses. So what's your next chapter in life? Uh, you know, life after banking? Well, that's, that's a good question. And my wife, uh, you know, would like to know the same answer. So, uh, no, we, I, I kid about that, but we, we talked about it a lot. And, um, I, I, you know, my, uh, my dad's, uh, uh, business still is alive and well. And so I have, I've been working pretty actively with that because there is real estate that has to be redeveloped. Some of his real estate is 50, 60 years old. And so we have, we're just finishing a very, very large uh, uh, renovation of a uh, shopping center that he was his very first shopping center, actually. And uh, so I'm, I'm working on things like that. But I, the other thing that I, I you know, I, I, you know, I've, I've been involved with a lot of charitable things in the past, but a lot of it was there was a connection to the bank in one form or another because it was either the bank customer or there were people that I was soliciting for for banking business, and and you know I I, I, I and again I, I they were all good uh, charities, but I but they really weren't my passion and and uh, you know my passion uh, I think I've discovered is. Uh, affordable housing, uh, and and I, I'm talking about affordable housing, uh, you know, housing, uh, you know, ownership, uh, and uh, um, so I, I, I have I spent a fair amount of time in the last couple of years working with s several CDFIs in Kansas City and organizations that have concentrated in the housing industry and trying to help create affordable housing for sale to, uh, uh, you know, for individuals and. So I'm, I'm, I'm working with two or three organizations, helping them. Uh, there's an, another individual and I and, a, and, some, and some other friends that have gotten together and we've started a little company and, and it's our goal to build 10 um, uh, affordable homes in uh, Kansas City, Missouri uh, over the next three years. And uh, um, so, it, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're going to put our toe in the water there. It, you know, the one thing I've learned about that process is it's exceedingly hard. And matter of fact, I, I don't want to say it's impossible because people are accomplishing that. But I was talking to a fellow the other day and he was building a house that's, that's in a little bit more of a, a, a gentrified neighborhood that was closer to uh, Crown Center. And so it's a little bit more uh, 
expensive uh, area. But, you know, the house he was building, I, I thought was kind of pedestrian and uh, it was nice looking and it was new and it had it was very nicely appointed, but it, it sure wasn't anything super special. And I said, what are you going to what are you going to ask for the house? And he said, six hundred thousand dollars. And I said, that's, that's not affordable housing. That's upper end housing. I mean, you're going to take you need a, a professional to be able to buy that house. And that's not my goal. My goal is to try to help people. You know, own their first house, and there are programs out there through the government and through the states that allow you to do some down payment assistance and get, you know, better loans and that kind of stuff. But you know, that's the problem: is that you know, you that I, I think to build a house, it has to be at the three hundred thousand dollar level and below. Really, you'd like for it to be at two hundred thousand, but it's very difficult to build a two hundred thousand dollar house. But that's that 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 I'm gonna that's going to be my experiment. Come back and. We're going to talk in, in three years and I'll tell you whether I was successful or not. Because I we may be just spectacularly unsuccessful. I know one thing, we will build 10 houses. Uh, we're committed to doing that and we're going to do them and, and build. And, and, and these are not going to be really not good looking houses. I want something that people can be proud of because that's what, you know, uh, it, it, and you know this from your, your tax background and your financial planning background, for better or for worse, generational wealth is created by real estate and a lot of people uh a lot of minorities a lot of people have just uh you know lower means have just not had the ability to buy their own home and when you can buy your own house and if you're diligent and you do a good job you know you end up building some equity you might even go to a bigger house but you build generational wealth if you're a renter your entire life it's really difficult to do that and uh, that's so that it's a long answer to a very short question, but I, I really feel like, you know, if, we, if we're talking about helping people move up and, and building, you know, you know, building a stronger base of, of, uh, of, of people in the United States, I think we need to help people on, on that side of the, of the ledger. I love it. I love it. Well, Bob, it's been a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure completely. And I, uh, I uh, uh, look forward to, uh, to getting to know you better as, as you uh, as, as we as we meet other people in, in Kansas City. And uh, uh, I, I think it'll be a, a great opportunity. We appreciate the fact that you you're back in Kansas City uh, and you're also a customer of the Bank of Blue Valley. And I'm very thankful for that, too. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Been visiting here today with Bob Regnier. Yeah, the founder of Bank of Blue Valley, and uh, thanks for joining us here on American Dreams. <laughs>